Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the second Sunday of the Advent season. We are in year B, and we are continuing today a series for Advent called The King Shall Come. Uh, You can read more about the series and find outreach materials related to it on the foundation resources. Um, But uh, let's get into our uh, podcast and think about this text that is before us this Sunday, Welcoming uh, once again, Pastor Nathan Beagie from Victory of the Lamb Lutheran Church in Katy, Texas, and Pastor Caleb Shanick from Beautiful Savior in College Station, Texas. They are our preachers for this series. Also with us today is Professor Sam Degner, who teaches New Testament and missiology here at the seminary. So let's dive right in. Uh, Caleb Shanick, the first Sunday, or the, excuse me, the second Sunday in Advent, the second Sunday of this series we're in, The King Shall Come. Can you share with us the main thought that you are sharing with worshipers this second Sunday in Advent? We seem to learn from an early age uh, that the greater the occasion, the greater the preparation. So uh, as, as we think of this threefold coming of Christ, that he came as a child, he continues to come in the gospel, and he will come again one day in glory. That um, are any one of those a small occasion? Uh, at any point, is there need for little preparation? So as we prepare for the King to come, uh, there's going to be this uh, this this focus on what does it mean to prepare and and how do we prepare? And I think we want to handle that question carefully because uh, we want to land in the right place and answer that uh, reflects both law and gospel and and. And God's goodness, uh, and not just some sort of effort, our part. So, uh, so obviously, um, very accessible uh, thematic word to, uh, to say prepare um, as we're in the early parts of December, and um, preparations are clearly on a lot of people's minds. So, uh, let's not forget to prepare uh, about this one area that's greater than all the Christmas parties and everything else that's going on. Uh, let's prepare to meet our king. He's coming. Um, so pretty pretty straightforward. Right. The king shall come. So that calls for preparation. Uh, Nathan Beagie, let's turn to you next. We will be thinking about the second reading today as our sermon text. Could you tell us a little bit about the first reading and the gospel of the day, just to make sure we've got that lectionary context in mind? Sure. Well, both of those talk about the most important way to prepare really summarized by the word repent. And so this is Isaiah 40, which is just a incredible piece of scripture that starts with the the great surprise that you receive when you repent, that the Lord has given you double forgiveness from from all your sins, double comfort than, than what you might expect. The voice is coming. John the Baptist, of course, is the fulfillment of that in the gospel lesson coming up. But uh, the voice is coming to to preach about this important preparation that needs to be made. And then connecting with the the Peter text, keeping longevity in mind is important too. What fades away, what withers and falls, and what stands forever, that really helps your preparation when you keep that straight. And then I just love the last part of the Isaiah 40 text as well, that the, the one who is coming and the object of our preparation and repentance is so powerful and also so tender-hearted. Just that that uh, incredible mix that you, we just yeah. can't hear enough of, and that's why 
we have courage to repent and the opposite of thinking it's a waste of time as well as courage to encourage others to repent. And then in the gospel, Mark 1, that is the, the fulfillment there of Isaiah 40. And, and it's, it's mentioned there. The main point, of course, of the, the text, as well as of the entire book of Mark, for that matter, and really, you could even say the entire Bible, is good news. Good news about the gospel that comes and the, the reason for repentance. John the Baptist there in Mark 1 preached a baptism of repentance. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. And people came from the Judean countryside. They came from the city of Jerusalem. Country folk, city folk, whoever, wherever, they all came. And yet when they came, John the Baptist, not even for one second, was saying, this is all about me, guys, and I'm so glad you've come to hear what I have to say. He, he regularly, repeatedly, and uh, very decisively put the spotlight right on Jesus. The one, the one you need to pay attention to is not me. I'm not even worthy to untie the straps on his sandals, but, but he's the one that's, that's more powerful. He's the one to spotlight. And that, I think, would be a commentary, I guess, summary of the reason to repent there in the, the first reading of Isaiah 40 and, and the Gospel of Mark 1. Yeah, thank you for that summary. Um, let's turn now to the second reading, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 14. Sam Degner, could you get us started in our discussion of the text? We're assuming preachers have done a text study, but would you share some additional thoughts with them? Sure. Uh, just keeping the context in mind, I think will be helpful. Um, Peter's, uh, he identifies himself as the author, says it's his second letter. If it's the same uh, audience as his first letter, scattered believers in Asia Minor. Uh, and the, the whole, I guess, tone of Second Peter is really one of, of reminding. Uh, he encourages them to remember a few times. Um, these are things that that they had been taught that they know, but they need to be reminded and I think that's good for, for the preacher. You know, you, that'll be our tone too, right? We're, we're preaching to people who know these things, who have heard these things uh, for the most part, uh, and yet who need to be reminded of them just like we do uh, because our sinful, sinful nature wants to put this whole idea of the second coming out of, out of mind. Um, the, the more immediate context there at the beginning of chapter three is helpful too, to keep in mind the scoffers who are, saying you know where's where's this coming uh of the of the judge it's been it's been a few decades uh everything just keeps going the way it always has been uh and if that was true then of course how much more now um it's been almost two thousand years uh right uh, where is this this coming i think um to the world we sometimes when we talk about this, we sound like that crazy guy in the street corner with the sandwich board that says the end is near and he's shouting on uh, at everybody passing by. Um, uh, and yet that's really still our, our job to keep reminding ourselves and reminding the, uh, the people we've been entrusted with that it, it is true. The, he is coming. We can't be fooled. Um, we have to remember, I think, and, and this, of course, will be bleeding into uh, law gospel points coming up, but there's a there's a scoffer in our hearts too right uh who says man it's it's been a while i mean what are the odds that he's gonna gonna be coming while i'm young or while i'm committing this sin or whatever it might be so uh maybe good to kind of keep that target in mind too as we talk about it 
Yeah, thank you for that reminder uh, and of the context. What you said about the scoffers just led me to turn to my hymnal. Um, the service setting three, the prayer of the church there has a line about uh, protect us from the scoffers who sneer at your truth. And I think that was drawn from Second uh, Peter chapter three. Uh, but let's talk then about uh, law gospel themes in this text. Um, Caleb, Nathan, um, anything to share with preachers to kind of start zeroing in on some of those points of uh, law and gospel um, that you draw from this text, or, or what's unique about the presentation of law and gospel in this text. Um, your thoughts that could uh, assist preachers. Um, Nathan, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I think the, the first three verses there, 8, 9, and 10, talk about that, that one thing that is really important to remember that Peter's telling his hearers and us. God's timing is not your timing. A day, a thousand years, it makes no difference to him. He, it's, it's not any significant difference, even though that's so impossible for us to fathom. And so if that's true, that God's timing is not our timing, then there's so many sins that, that spill out of that mm. when we don't like that, when we scoff at that, and when we, we think that God's timing should be our timing, or even that, that we go so far as to say God's timing is worthless and terrible, and my timing needs to be the one that wins the day. And so is God asleep? Is God powerless? Is he uncaring? Is he a, a non-factor, not even in the mix, like an atheist or agnostic might say? Um, when I look at evil being absolutely everywhere, and I think, how could this world possibly go on any longer? Yet God's timing is not my timing. And the reason for God's timing is, is clearly given, which is that as many as possible would be yeah. brought to repentance. And so the, the malady of impatience, of scoffing, of drifting, of, of caring what other people think about you and your lifestyle more than what God thinks about you and your lifestyle. I think all of that is, is wrapped up in the my timing is more important than God's timing idea. And that's why if, if God is, if, if I really believe God is asleep and God is uncaring or he cares, but he is powerless to do anything. And, and if I really believe evil always gets its way and it always will, then what's the point of repenting? It's not hard to, to get there. And, and then you are either full of pride, which dives down the road of sin yourself, or you're full of despair, which dives down the proud road of, of really bitterness and resentment towards God for, for letting evil run wild in a way that you don't think it should be allowed to do because you think that your timing is better, better than his. So I guess that's really just the first three verses that I'm thinking about with the melody. But okay. since Peter starts in the English translation by saying, but do not forget this one thing, then right. I, I think that's significant to also highlight that in the preaching. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, your thoughts on law, gospel, maybe starting with the melody? The concept of preparing is interesting. It's it's an imperative, prepare. Um, and so, like with all imperatives, we have to make sure that we sort through that the correct way with law and gospel. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think if we 
we're honest with ourselves, we feel that there's a certain power or we feel empowered um, when we're prepared. Um, a, a football team takes the field and they feel they can win the game because they've prepared. A preacher takes the pulpit and says, I'm going to knock a home run uh, because I've prepared. I've got this memorized, what have you. Uh, there's a certain empowerment to being prepared. And so when we hear that call from Peter that says, prepare for the day of the Lord's coming, uh, we want to make sure that that we're not being led into this way of thinking that would say, there's some uh, some power within myself that uh, that makes me prepared for the coming of the Lord. You know, I, I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Um, so he comes to us. And so our preparation is always just a response uh, to the power of God's word that says he's going to be coming. So, um, you know, sorting through that, I think, is, is just important that we have the right motivation. Um, when, uh, when we think about preparing and some of the, the questions that come into our minds, uh, if we feel like God is a long time off and coming, if we feel like he is slow, uh, if there's this growing impatience, um, I, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever had to counsel someone uh, and say, you need to stop being impatient with God. Uh, but a, a way that, uh, that, you know, for God coming for the second coming of the world. Uh, but, but for the way that it might show itself is when we, when we feel that way or when we believe that perhaps that's true or we can get away with these sins because, you know, surely he wouldn't come now. It's just that lowering of the prioritization uh, for our preparations. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have to worry about this just yet. I don't have to, I don't have to put the time and effort into being prepared. Um, and we, we make the coming of the Lord to be a lower priority than it really is. Uh, we make it to be a lesser occasion than it really is. And therefore we lessen our preparation. So uh, just, just some of the thoughts that focus around being prepared. Uh, the power is in God's word that he's coming. Therefore, why wouldn't we be prepared uh, rather than saying, I can, I've got this in me to do it. Mm -hmm. I can be prepared. Okay. Thanks for those thoughts. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, as I look at it too, uh, there's something kind of implied about getting wrapped up with this world as if this world is all there is and all there ever will be, maybe in those verses too. And I think that would be a symptom of both the things you mentioned, um, just <clears throat> losing sight of the Lord's coming, lack of preparedness uh, could lead to attitudes like that as as symptoms maybe as well. Other thoughts on, on preaching the law from this text? Uh, Nate? And just to build on what, what you just said, uh, people grabbing things in this world as though they're going to last forever. Um, the, the triple combination of verse 10, where things will either disappear with the roar or they'll be destroyed or they'll be, be laid bare and exposed for what they truly are. And that can be good things. That can be bad things. If if you want to cling to your trophies and money as though it lasts forever, or you in despair cling to your debt and can't get past it or cling to your losses and wounds and hurts as though they'll last forever to, to keep that in the right perspective, that, that all of that will be destroyed, laid bare, disappear. None of that is eternal. Right. 
right? So kind of a short-sightedness that uh, results in some ways from that. Um, then what about uh, proclaiming the gospel from this text? We, we've mentioned one of the gospel themes here, I think already, which is uh, the Lord is coming, and why would he delay his coming? It's his mercy wanting more to repent. Uh, but anything further uh, on preaching the gospel or bringing out different aspects of the gospel that are here in the text? Suggestions for preachers? Uh, Caleb? Yeah, uh, you know, Nate was just talking about the, the triple threat in uh, verse 10. Uh, the day will come, will disappear, will be laid bare. Um, you know, that that serious language continues in, in verse 11 and 12. It will be destroyed. Uh, it will bring about the destruction. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you could almost read that with a scowl on your face and the, the thunder of God and the fire of his judgment. Uh, and then you hit verse 13. Mm -hmm. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And um, right, right there, you have that contrast of uh, hope uh, against all hopelessness. And that hope comes from his promise. So, uh, you know, if repentance uh, is, is kind of a thought in that first third of the text that is gospel, um, or, or not repentance, but God's patience, his mercy, uh, you know, his promise, I think, shows itself as a very strong gospel theme in that middle section. Okay. So the promise that he has made uh, to bring about this new heavens and new earth, the the, the final glorious happy ending uh, that we are all looking forward to because the Lord has promised that as the consummation. Um, yeah, other thoughts, uh, bringing out the gospel in the text. Sam? You're looking for a path to... Uh... You know, to bring Christ into this in verse 14, you have to make every effort to be found spotless. That's the same uh, same word Peter had used in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 19, mm -hmm. the lamb without blemish. And, uh, you know, maybe that would be a, I mean, as we're, as we're looking forward to, or we're thinking about Jesus coming and we need to be found spotless. Um, how is that possible? Right. Well, right. Um, he was already the perfect sacrifice in our place. It might offer you a, a turn there as you turn to the gospel in your sermon. Yeah, that's a great, great connection pointing to Jesus, the lamb without blemish or defect. Uh, Nathan? Just uh, also in addition with that, bouncing back to that, that triple combination of, of words, what is temporary? Well, the gospel is not. And so it will never be something that disappears and withers away it will never be destroyed and fine expose it make it be something that is laid bare it just gets better and more beautiful the more you look at it and, and uh and the more it is exposed and so that is something i think i would bring up as the opposite of everything else on this earth and then sanctification following would be that's why we grab this gospel that is never destroyed won't disappear and it's more beautiful when it's laid bare as compared to anything else. Yeah. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So that, that thought of Jesus, that, that this gospel, uh, his words, his promises, everything else will go, but his promises will not never lose their power. Uh, Caleb, another gospel thought? 
Uh, yeah, as Sam mentioned spotless and blameless. You know, that comes right on the heels of righteousness that's mentioned at the end of verse 13. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's too high of, a, of an order for us to fill on our own. Uh, but the promise of his righteousness, uh, that we would be righteous, namely spotless and blameless, uh, you know, that only comes about in him. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Greek construction there, verse 14, just perhaps emphasizes the way that that comes out. I know, I know in Ephesians class would have kind of been our first real, uh, not our first real, but uh, as seminary students, you know, the, the in En Christo, En Christo, En Christo, En Christo. And here you have that phrase, uh, kind of literally something like, make every effort to be found holy and blameless uh, uh, in him. I don't have a Greek in front of me here now, but uh, it's actually in Irene, uh, in, in peace. So the sphere is peace, and the way that you're homeless, uh, holy and blameless uh, living in that peace is, is through Christ. So mm-hmm. it's not, again, an effort of preparation on our own part, but rather the work of Christ that has uh, made it possible for us to, to do this. Yeah. 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 Thanks for bringing that out, Caleb. Uh, and you did earlier too, just, yeah, prepare is not just a burden laid upon us, but th- this is um, a call to us but it's all centered in Christ and his completed work for us already. Just an acknowledgement of that, hanging on to that, what he has done for us. Uh, that's the ultimate preparation. Um, other thoughts uh, for uh, bringing out different aspects of the text, um, illustration, application, or things that you are thinking of including in your sermon on this text. Nate? I'm not sure about this one, but but something I've been mulling over is is um, keeping the eighth commandment, putting the the best construction on God's delaying of judgment day might, might be an interesting Hmm. angle instead of scoffing at him, instead of blasting in with my timings better than his, what is he? He doesn't know anything. Keep, keep the, the eighth commandment and God's patience means salvation. And he, he is passionate for that. And so Put put the the very best construction on God's words and actions with delaying judgment day. Okay, yeah. Recognize why He might be doing this. It's His grace, His His, his uh, patience extended to the world. Caleb, how often haven't we heard someone say, uh, "I know God's got a plan," you know, um, uh, He's got a purpose in in whatever just happened. You know, you you have an accident. You just are escaping from having had an accident, you have a health scare, um, you know, a job, whatever. Uh, God's got a purpose. Yes. Yes, he does. His, his purpose is the world has not ended yet. And the reason it has not ended yet is so that it might continue so that more people would come uh, to, to experience his mercy, um, to repent, and that there'd be more in heaven. So just then on a, on a more kind of like meditative, contemplative, advent type thought, take advantage of the opportunity to just slow down and um, and to be with his powerful word in this time before Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I said a prayer yesterday uh, as I was walking through a store that said, Lord, maybe this shop will have the right gift for my wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't. <laughs> um, 
but you know, for as much as you're looking for the perfect gift to give someone, there's really nothing more beneficial for you or the people who are close to you than to spend a contemplative moment with God's promises. Um, the preparation that it will bring about will, will be a gift far greater to yourself and others than anything under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. And that it, through those means, you know, the spirit is helping us uh, with our personal preparation, with our perspective on, you know, uh, heavens and earth may pass away, but Jesus words and promises will not. Um, it's, remaining, making every effort to remain holy and blameless, something as simple as, yeah, just sitting, pausing, taking in those promises once again, that kind of all fits together with this uh, preparation theme. Uh, further thoughts might be helpful to preachers. Sam? Yeah, first, I'm impressed that Caleb's already shopping for his wife three weeks before Christmas. Well done, brother. Uh, I think one of the challenges is I think about you know, preaching this, I'm, I'm picturing people that I served and you, you really have um, maybe two, two different kinds of people that will be listening to you, uh, right? You, you do have the ones who are, are kind of uh, comfortable with the fact that Jesus hasn't come back for a while and mm -hmm. that uh, allows them to feel comfortable about certain sins maybe in their lives. And then you have other people who are saying, man, Jesus hasn't come back for a while. Please hurry up, come, because they see the wickedness around them or the, you know, the suffering in their own life. And uh, so maybe as I was just thinking about how I would craft a sermon, I, I would want to be careful that I'm thinking of both of those kinds of people throughout the sermon. Mm -hmm. uh, and this text certainly has something to say to, to both. Uh, you, I think, will just want to keep that in mind uh, as you're proclaiming law and, and gospel. Um, there's a warning for those who think, and, and I think Nate, uh, you know, did a good job summarizing this at the beginning, how it really has to do with our uh, perception of God's timing. So there's a warning for those who take that the wrong way. Uh, and you have to be careful. He'll, he'll come like a thief. But then there's also comfort for those who are just longing for Jesus to return. Um, don't worry. He's, he is coming. He's coming soon. It may be today. Uh, and if it's not, that's still a good thing because, uh, it gives us an opportunity to uh, give him glory and it gives uh, others a chance to, to come to know him. Um, you know, as I think about the sanctification part, I think about the uh, looking forward to the day of God and speeding its coming. So I, I think that maybe one of the goals of a sermon would be simply to, that the, the Holy Spirit would change the, the attitude in my heart and the, the hearts of the people listening toward this second coming that, uh, whatever it is that we have unhealthy about it, unhealthy impatience or an un unhealthy um, putting off, uh, it would change to looking forward to and speeding its coming. You know, it, what exactly does that mean? I think at the very least we can say uh, living in such a way that we show we're, we're excited for that day to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really helpful, uh, Sam, just to remind us that, yeah, we're dealing with listeners, some of whom are tempted to complacency, uh, others of whom are tempted to giving up uh, because this is just, yeah, I, I can't bear it any longer. So keeping that in mind, right, as we put the sermon together, as we preach this text. Great. Any uh, uh, theme ideas or any ways that you're going to put the sermon together or uh, unifying theme? Uh, what ideas might you share with preachers? as they're thinking about the same thing. Uh, Caleb, anything? Yeah, uh, 
I think I've hinted at them all the way throughout here, but uh, maybe the first third, we get to learn about God's purpose. In the middle third, we get to look at God's promises. And in the last third, we get to live with God in peace. Um, mm -hmm. Three big thoughts that are throughout there. Um, I don't know that prepare, prepare, prepare is a common phrase, but practice, practice, practice is. Mm -hmm. um, so that could lend itself perhaps. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, that's a helpful division of the text, kind of getting at those three main uh, thoughts that Peter has here in this section. Other ideas for uh, theme or putting the sermon together? Uh, Nate, any ideas to share? Yeah, I think the uh, the main thing you want to make sure is is a part of it is something with embracing repentance, especially if you connect any of the Peter text to either Isaiah 40 or Mark 1. Mm -hmm. um, one time I preached on this a few years ago, and my, my theme was stay on your tiptoes, which mm -hmm. doesn't sound like repentance, but what I meant by that was it would take a lot of focus to walk around everywhere on your tiptoes, and you also would need to be determined that you didn't care what other people thought about you as you were doing that, which you could, you could um, massage into being an illustration for repenting, that it takes focus and it takes focus on what God thinks of you much more than what anyone else does. And so that's, that's, that's one that I thought about or used a few years back, but I'm not sure if it's the best one either. But something with repentance would be a really important theme. Yeah, especially those uh, those first few verses of the text. Um, yeah, tiptoes makes me think of you know being conscious that something is coming and and you're waiting for it and acting accordingly, right? Which I think is throughout this text here. Well, any uh, final thoughts or suggestions to share with preachers, Caleb? I don't know that it's a theme, but it sounded good when I wrote it down. It said there's peace even in preparing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that would address kind of what you'd mentioned before, the the law and gospel aspects of preparing. So prepare the imperative, but there's also uh, that Christ focus, uh, living in peace, receiving his peace, that aspect of it too, very gospel-centered uh, pre preparation that we're doing. Right? All right. Well, if there's nothing else, we'll turn this over to preachers then. Uh, enjoy working with this text, all the rich, rich imagery that is here in this text, and encouraging your people and your listeners to prepare for Jesus who is coming, uh, the new heaven and new earth that we are waiting for according to his gracious promise.